Now entering Nerdist.com. Hey, you can make this Valentine's Day one that you'll both never forget with this amazing offer from AdamandEve.com. Through Valentine's Day, you'll receive 50% off just about any item. Just go to AdamandEve.com and you'll find over 18,000 adult entertainment products, including toys, lingerie, and a seemingly endless selection of adult DVDs. And there's more. With every order, you'll receive a romance kit free. Our romance kit includes a toy for him, a special massager for her, and a little something for everyone. Plus a free adult DVD, you know, for inspiration. And that's not all. Oh no. We'll also throw in free shipping on your entire order. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special Valentine's Day offer. Get 50% off one item, a free romance kit, and free shipping when you enter offer code SEXNERD. S-E-X-N-E-R-D. That's SEXNERD at adamandeve.com. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. Whoa, what are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Hey everybody, it's Sex Nerd Sandra, and I am thrilled to be recording this episode's intro right now because it means that you're about to listen to a fantastic interview with Cameron Esposito. She's hilarious. She was with us for the Girl on Girl on Girl episode. So much fun. And she came back to talk about her new album. Actually, we got into the meaning of her title of her new album, and it just blossomed into all these neat areas of pop culture and sexuality and gender and dating. Mm, I had a great time. I hope you enjoy this. Before we get started, let's talk about some dates. This weekend, I am in San Francisco. January 29th, I'll be part of the San Francisco Sketchfest's Comedy Nightlife series, and it's going to be a good time. I'm going to be recording an episode on multiple orgasms. That's right, with Joshua Grinnell of Peaches Christ. And then Friday night, I'm at Stageworks with Eliza Skinner and a few big sex ed guests. We're going to figure out how to navigate that odd in-between relationship, that friend with those benefits. You can check out my website, sexnerdsandra.com for the links, or you can go to sfsketchfest.com. Oh, and Saturday night in San Francisco, I will be telling a story at Body Storytelling, also part of Sketchfest. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be real great. Also, New York, This Monday, I actually am flying into town for a really random, fun business trip. So this Monday night, I'll be in New York City. Check meetup.com's New York City sex nerd group, because if we do anything, it'll be posted in there uh, and on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, Then I'm back in Los Angeles for my oral sex for everybody class on January 9th, just in time for Valentine's Day. Speaking of Valentine's Day, I have an exciting announcement. I'm opening up my phone number for people to call and leave a message about their love life. Share a thought, you can ask a question, and I'm going to use those voicemails to help craft next week's episode. The number is 310-928-3261. Again, 310-928-3261. I'll post it also on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Call that number, ask a question, 
try and limit it to about two minutes in length. And um, who knows, you might end up on the show next week. Love life questions. Bring it on. Also, speaking of Valentine's Day, remember, sexnerdsonder.merchtable.com. You can get t-shirts. There's actually a couple t-shirts left in each size. So getting to this episode, let's see. I'm excited about this episode. Just know the first 10 minutes are conversational, but it's not necessarily talking about sex. Oh, I make a comment about Asperger's. I left the comment in, I think, but I wanted to just let you know that I, I do joke about that every once in a while, and I am make, doing a lot more research on that so that I can understand that better. Um, yeah, and I also mentioned something about asexuals later when we were talking about dating, and I failed to mention that asexuals also date, and um, some also seek out romantic relationships. So I wanted to put that in there. And so with that lovely, lovely person that you are, enjoy the episode. I never thought about that. And are we starting? Because I'll actually start talking about this. Or we don't have to include this in the thing. We can just have a personal conversation. Well, Tell me what we're having. Are we having a personal conversation? Or a well, I, I wanted to check in with you about it. And who knows? Let's be humans. Let's okay. be humans. Okay, ready? Oh. And oh. hey, welcome to the show. I don't know. Three years I've been doing this, and I still feel weird about how to start my show. It's like, I've hey, done, everybody. Have you done podcasts where the moment you walk in, that's when it starts? Because I've done a couple like that, and that's actually a really interesting thing. Because that's not how I record anything mm-hmm. that I do, but I've done shows where when you walk in, you're on. No. Only because then you never have to worry about it, which is great. It's a real stress reliever. Well, like, I'm recording now, right? Okay. And and I have started to do that because I like the organic feeling that it doesn't, you don't have to put on a mask the minute the mic starts, but I still kind of go into a thing. Yeah. Uh, and then I record an intro and like, no one gets to watch me or hear the part where I go, you know, at three in the morning. Hey, naughty monkeys. How is it going? No. <laughs> you know, And I just do it like five times. It's miserable. That's um, actually kind of great though, that you have that space to yourself. That's basically oh, like you have record- your own. As I have a couple podcasts, I have the two Wham Bam Pow, but Wham Bam Pow, which is about action sci-fi movies, mm-hmm. um, and then Put Your Hands Together, which is a stand-up podcast. But neither of those things. Sometimes I'll record an intro to just like mm-hmm. talk about an upcoming tour date mm-hmm. or whatever, but they don't really require like a preview. Where I have to be like, today we're going to talk about, because it's like oh, built see. into the show. Oh, so. I don't really do that. I actually started doing it a little bit because I realized, mm-hmm. oh, that's how, because when I started podcasting, I didn't know how, I didn't, I wasn't familiar with different radio formats Yeah, you're a pioneer. Yeah. We're all pioneers, recreating the thing. Right. Yeah, like Oregon Trail, mm-hmm. except. Exactly. Except with your more ego. <laughs> more syphilis, less yokes breaking. That's right. Mm. Um. That yoke always did. <laughs> Fucking yoke. Yeah. Oh. You were asking how long uh, a comedy album is. And you know what? There's actually a really specific answer. If you want it to be on television, there is, you have to have, you have to have. Commercial breaks. Yeah. You have, but you have to have extra time mm-hmm. because in case it needs to be cut. So like 44 minutes is an hour of television, but right. if you're recording a special, you really have to have more like 60 minutes. Oh. Which is really interesting. And then also. Um, falls into like a different category, and in also in terms of an album that's audio mm-hmm. only, like my most recent album is audio only, same sex symbol, same sex symbol. But it's an hour long, and if it's like an hour plus, then it's like a different 
thing in who's, terms of how it's categorized. Like who's the music categorizing? Oh, and also okay. royalties and things like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what's better? More or less than 60 minutes? Uh, this particular one, my goal was an hour and it's an hour and one minutes. So I was stoked. It's so, great. Does that mean that you're cheating by nudging into another category? No, no, it's good. It's okay. good. It's good. It's good. It's good. All right. I just didn't, I didn't want it to be 59 minutes. 59 minutes is a great time, but I wanted an hour plus and I nailed it. You wanted that, those zeros. I wanted those zeros. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm excited. Oh, cool. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Um, I, you pop up in my newsfeed a lot on Facebook. Do I? Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like, I don't know how much of it's an echo chamber, but people talk about you. That's actually cool to hear because I, uh, stepped away from Facebook this year. Oh, okay. Um, in that, like, I only use it as an output only device. Right, right, right. You're broadcasting on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, I, I don't, I no longer, um, like, read messages or things like that because it just started to get really overwhelming and also kind of unhealthy because I, one thing that I do is I write this column for the AV Club that's about my life oh, okay. as a stand-up and sometimes the columns will be... Uh, feminist because mm-hmm. I'm a feminist or they'll be about a woman because I'm a woman or they'll be from the perspective of a gay person because mm-hmm. I'm a gay person. And mm-hmm. so I started getting all the a lot reasons of, to get hate mail. Yeah. I started getting a lot of really positive stuff, but I also got started getting like a deluge of just interactions. Mm-hmm. I didn't care to be a part of, yeah. you know, we can actually screen out the things that we don't want in our internet space. We can't we can't screen it out interpersonally or in the world or in traffic situations, but you can actually screen out the stuff you don't want to see in your news feed or whatever. So like you mean I don't have to read all the YouTube comments? I you don't have to. No. Yeah, oh. you don't. That's another I I like when people uh you know, if people were to have a negative reaction to anything mm-hmm. I've done. Not that anybody's ever had a negative reaction. It's always 100%. <laughs> no. If, uh, I love the idea that somebody would like watch an entire thing or listen to the entire album or read an entire article on the AV Club and then mm-hmm. be like, why is this even here? I always want to, I wonder what's going on in their life that they didn't just move on. Move brother. on. Minimize. Move on. Exit. Get yeah. out of there. You don't need to be here. Get yeah. out of there. App. Command W. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I know. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't like those people because uh, I have read a few things that you have written, and I've uh, no matter what it is, like I read something on your relationship with your father, and I just remember being like, "Oh yeah, oh snap, you're really good at writing." Oh, thank How'd you. How'd you do that? <laughs> Thanks. Ah, uh, oh, you're welcome. I mean, I didn't talk about it on Facebook. Oh but- no, you just well, you told me to my face, which is. More of a is that book face than, than I've ever. Can you exit out of this? No, this is great. I oh, appreciate okay. it. So you are not on Facebook much and you do pop up a lot. And you were just labeled like best upcoming awesome comedy of something. I got a the lot internet of, told me. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff at the end of 2014. Yeah. I don't mean to say that in a... It just is true. This was a big year for me. It's searchable. It's Googleable. Yeah. And a lot of... Uh, like best ofs and comedy, like mm-hmm. albums of the year and a lot of stuff like that. It, this was a crazy culmination of like 10 plus years of work in the comedy industry. And wow. this is the year that I kind of had my first tipping point. Yeah. I I mean, you only showed up in LA, what, two years ago? Yeah. A year and a half, something like that? Yes. Okay. Two years ago. Whoa. I know. And you immediately, I remember because I just started dating my partner. Yes. And I remember hearing about your show at UCB. 
because I kept meaning to go to Comedy Death Ray and never getting around to it. Right. And then suddenly and then it switched it to gone. you. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? And then I haven't been to your show. Sorry. No, babe. no stress. Hey, we're busy people. Yeah, we are kind but of. But it's a standing invitation if you ever want to I don't like laughing. I, hey, I also don't like laughing. That's why I'm on the joking end of things. <laughs> <laughs> Comics are the worst laughers in the biz. I learned that. Yes, True. Uh, I learned that a few years ago, and it really helped me hmm. understand because I'm a little afraid of comics. Like one on one, it's fine. Yeah, but if there's two of you, like uh, wait, Rhea, is that yeah, your Rhea. your partner? Mm-hmm. If you two, you guys haven't gotten married yet, right? No, what are you we're, talking, what we're are you? still engaged. Okay, in the engaged stage. Still engaged? Are you planning on not being engaged? No, I just mean it, was, it hasn't moved. We've been engaged for a while. Oh, okay. we've been engaged for like eighteen months. Okay, like if you two and I were, it was just the three of us. I'd start having a panic attack because it's too many comics. Do you feel like you have to be funny? No, it's um, like I took an improv class uh-huh. uh, at the end of last year to help me through what I felt like was the equivalent of like just. I it, this seems really messed up to say, but the only way I can say it, it's like I. Like somehow developed Asperger's, like I developed it, and that's not something that you develop. But it's like I couldn't. It's I just go blank and just stare and kind of go. I don't know what to say now. Were you having a hard time with social interactions? Is that what you're saying? Yes, and also I have like riffing blindness, mm. so it's hard for me. How often have you been doing this podcast? Do you do it weekly? Mm-hmm. But generally, like, do with- you bulk tape at all, or do you do one per week? What is bulk taping, you podcaster? Oh, I just mean like if you taped five episodes in a row, or oh. and then and then doled them out once per week, or are you actually taping every week? No, no, no. no. I I bank them. That's, that's yeah. But I might do two at a time. But it's there's not as many sex ed people, or it's hard for me to find experts sometimes. Sure. And also, it's like searching I, for the them. reason I was asking is oh. because I think there is such a thing as. You know, when you have a specialty mm-hmm. and then you're constantly going back to that bank, I mean, you have to feel like you have run out of things to say after a point. And I don't mean like you really have. I just mean, do you ever forget what you've said on the show or oh, what you've yeah. discussed? Oh, I've repeated things. Yeah. But the listeners are kind and not yes. being too mean about it. Or they just don't listen to back episodes and they're evolving <laughs> with you and Aww. they can't remember what you said and they're just like taking you as a whole unit. That's you know? positive. That's really positive. I think so, yeah. Let's, let's get back to you. Okay, great. Cameron Esposito. Sure. We can talk. Okay. What are we going to talk about right now? Because truth, <laughs> you are a lesbian. Yes. Truth, you are a person. I thought there was going to be a dare. <laughs> dare Truth, you are a lesbian dare, dare. kiss a boy no, i don't know how to do did it 16 to actually 15 i think is when i kissed a boy for the first time to 20 oh five years of purgatory whoa i wouldn't call it hell because they were nice men actually i was uh online stalking you uh and i saw that you were on all things considered on npr i was yeah yeah and it was just neat i saw some highlights and it that was interesting because I saw that uh, you had had boyfriends mm-hmm. and then kissed a woman for the first time at 20. That's right. Right? And that you just didn't occur to you yes, that you were gay. 100%. And uh, this is startling to some people. I don't know. I've had, a, I've had some questioning of how that could be possible. Like, I, I, I can believe that just because... Mm-hmm. Because I've experienced enough of my scope widening that I just, it's, I, I remember having a narrower set of understanding of reality and what could be. I guess for me, it's like 
then what, like, what was going on during physical interaction with guys? Were you just kind of like, like going through the motions or were you like, well, I think that women have, women are lucky in some ways because mm-hmm. we get to express our friendships with each other in a wide and varied spectrum. Like mm-hmm. we can be, you can have a best friend that you just talked to on the phone and you can have a best, well, that's not true anymore. Text. <laughs> I, this is like hilarious. I'm dating myself, but, uh, I'm dating myself. We're in a relationship, me and myself. Uh, no, um, you know, you can, you can like text, you can have a friend that you text back and forth with that you have like a superficial friendship with. And then you can have like a friend that you travel with and you guys stay in the same hotel room and you mm-hmm. can have friends that you talk about what your boobs look like together. And mm-hmm. you have friends that you can like talk really intimately about sex details with. And then you have friends that you never talk about sex details with. Like there's just so many different types of female friendships. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're also written about and we see them in movies. I mean, there are not that many women characters in movies and TV, but they do Truth. have different types of friendships with each other. Yes. And I think men often don't. So the reason I'm saying all this is that I think when you're a young gay kid that is a woman, when you're a lesbian, um, less people indicate to you what's going on with you than if you're a young gay man. I think if you're a young gay man mm-hmm. and you have like a certain way of speaking or you want to be really close friends with your guy friends or you want to have a sleepover with them or you want to hug them or I think all those things become clear to you a little bit earlier because society says you can't feel that way about a man if you're straight. So you get more uh, people holding up a mirror to you and possibly in a negative light. I don't think that male sexuality is as black and white as we pretend that it is, but I think we pretend that it's very black and white versus, you know, women's female sexuality is supposed to be like this big, like evolving cornucopia of whatever. And so I think I felt a little lost in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just thought that my boyfriends were like almost for like lusting after and that my all of my close relationship feelings were with women if that makes any sense so what was i doing with guys at the time like i don't know i mean making out because making out feels good if you're a teenager with raging hormones and somebody's interested in you that feels awesome okay so you're having like a sensual like it was like you were okay you weren't like dying inside the whole time I think it became like a I lot worry about little Cameron. Yeah. I think it became a lot harder in college. I think like so high school I had a really serious boyfriend and he was a very nice man. Mm-hmm. He still is. Um and I think because he was such a nice kind man mm-hmm. and also because I was very open about my religious conservatism because I was really Catholic at the time. Mm-hmm. So I said to him like we will not be having premarital sex because i'm really catholic and Mm. um i also really worried about the about being pregnant about becoming pregnant now Mm -hmm. there are tons of ways to not get pregnant Mm -hmm. like for instance being on the pill or condoms but i went to a high school that had no sex education program so i didn't know about those things i didn't Mm -hmm. really have good information i just we watched an abortion in class whoa that was our sex ed i'm not actually that's actually it that was it i have never heard of that as wow i I didn't know that was a thing yes uh that is a thing and a really awful thing to do to teenage kids you know what they should have done instead 
Just show them a vaginal birth. That's yeah. all you need to say. <laughs> that is, I have never thought about it. That is so hilarious. Yes. Yeah, of course. Or, you know, I don't know if you got a chance to see, um, oh, Jenny Slate's movie from this year. No, I wanted to. Oh, God. What is it called? I'm uh, so mad child, at myself. Uh, adult Obvious child, child. Obvious Child. So that movie is the, that is the information about abortion that should have been available okay. to me and to teenagers. And there, if you are, if you do have any other younger listeners out there, mm-hmm. or even you know there older are, definitely. listeners, but um, that are wondering, you know, what information is out there, I would recommend that movie because Great. it's it's like a full emotional arc. She, it's not not a big deal to her because I think any woman that's going through this, it, of course, it's a massive deal to you because there are moral issues involved and it is a medical procedure and there are so many things to think about, but it's not demonized and. Mm-hmm. She's a human being, and it's a really wonderful. She's not at odds with the guy that she slept with mm-hmm. to create this baby. So it's it's, it's a, not the usual drama. It's a great story, and that's the information that should be available. But that was not what was available. So for someone considering abortion, or, or for somebody that's just like, hey, what is abortion? Okay, there you got go. it, got it. Yeah. And then YouTube vaginal birth. And then YouTube <laughs> vaginal birth. Exactly. Like I did. Like, only within the last year did I go, oh, I've never actually That's seen that. so wild. What an interesting thought. I love that thought. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Thank you. Yeah. No, I. Uh, we were not getting any of that information either about oh, what vaginal births were like. <laughs> <laughs> or C-sections, really. They didn't talk about how... You know, right. They, they take your guts out and they put them on a table and they put your guts back in. Why like, it's they? all pretty intense. Is it really? Yeah, totally. They, like, for C-sections, they don't just shove everything aside. They actually remove part of your viscera. They, like, take, they, like, take it out sometimes. Put it, put it to the side. Put Cameron, it back in. I'm not kidding. That's... But this is just... These doctors know how to do this. This is like... Hey, bodies are crazy. Right. They are. It's true. And now I want to Google all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. Bodies are nuts. So uh, did you hear about this one? I took a physical anthropology class in college. And when uh, you start to go into labor, your hormones, whatever, something gets released that tells the, the ligament or the cartilage that holds your pelvis together in the front dissolves. Wow. So your pelvis actually yep. partially separates. Yes. Which is why you're, cause your muscles also split in the middle on your, like, do they, your, your like ab muscles. Like split willingly? in half when you're when you're pregnant, yeah. Oh, oh yes, right, willingly. right, 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 because they get pushed so and... that they can like, right. Which is I, I uh, my sister, my older sister is mm-hmm. a modern dancer, and so I've a lot of friends that are dancers, and many of them I knew through their pregnancies, mm-hmm. and it's wild because they had like stronger than average cores, uh-huh. so their babies would be like real high and tight, <laughs> and then when the when. But it's it's even if you've got like a super strong ab situation, it's still bust through. Hey, childbirth is nutso, but like that's how we got here. It, it's so true. I that's why I don't. One of the reasons I don't believe in a god is just because we're designed <laughs> why so. Would this happen? We're designed so fucked. Like we just there's so many. Are off we designed things. fucked, or is it amazing? And it's just like sad that unfortunately pain goes with it because um, the machine works. 
Uh, it's a gross, uh, squishy machine, but it works. It totally works, and it's amazing. Like I have all the amazement. I when I go in nature, I go, oh my god, like <laughs> I feel in tune and st- whatever. And Jesus, I don't care. Uh, but the fact that our heads are too big and our vaginas are too small, <laughs> and then sometimes people die, <laughs> like there and there's ripping, yeah. and there's like it just and other animals. I just mm. you want us to have teenier heads and bigger pussies, <laughs> basically, yes. <laughs> I just want it. I just want childbirth to not be like you know possible, you know violence against your own body kind of a situation. I will tell you that I've been having a. I've been talking about this on stage lately, and it's weird the re- the response that this is getting because um, in like the last six months, I've had a huge shift in my own body and life. In that, for oh. the first time, I am considering carrying children. Like, Whoa. like, and I don't mean that this is going to happen. Mm. I mean. That I have never, until the last six months, okay. had any thought that this would ever happen for me. Right. So now there's like a 5% chance that I'm interested in this. I see. And this is such a huge seismic shift for me that I am, I can't imagine what must be going on in my body that my body's like, listen, Esposito, we're 33, get your shit together and put out a baby because it has been like a light switch. Oh, so it's not like a life change or now that you're engaged no. or you got a dog because I got well, a dog. Well, actually, I think it is all those things. Okay. I think I do feel safer than I've ever felt okay. because the engagement is something I feel I really trust Rhea and I feel mm-hmm. really strongly that our relationship will last. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's that trust. And then also I feel like Los Angeles is going to be my end point mm-hmm. in terms of moving. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you're like a comic, you spend years trying to figure out where you're going to live yeah. eventually. And then there's, you have to end up in Los Angeles, but it's not clear like how you're going to get there. So now I feel okay. like I kind of like hit my end point there yeah. and I found my person and we have a dog and you had a career, career, burst like or- a career milestone. So you're right. It could also just be that like, finally I'm relaxing a little bit. I'm not replacing it. I'm not replacing. It. I'm just augmenting. Yeah. Um, so what does that? Cause I haven't had that. Mm-hmm. I'm 31. I just got a dog I'm experiencing what it's like to mildly The do. dog thing is huge. It feels huge and it feels kind of like a baby. And I've talked to moms. It does feel like a baby. Human babies. And they're yes. like, no, that's kind of kind of similar. And it still hasn't happened. Like, So what is it? Is it like a siren in your head going, bleep, 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 bleep? You know, I bleep, think bleep, bleep. I feel like, well, I mean, we could talk about the dog situation as being relatively similar. So... I um, I travel so much for work and I have for so many years mm-hmm. and I never, so I never felt like a real home space of my own. Like my home was always my parents' house. If I would think about my home, it would be like my parents' house and then I had apartments, you know? Mm-hmm. And the thing about being engaged and living with that person and then having a dog, for some reason the dog really like solidified the idea that we have a home now because like that's where he lives he doesn't ever i mean we take him for walks it feels like he a- comes with us but like that's his space so there's a there's like a whole kind of like a firmness to that that i think feels really good and mm-hmm. connected and i think that's part of the reason that people have kids is because there's that feeling of like rooting into the soil and being part of this whole thing that we're doing which is living 
I don't relate to this metaphor at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like, oh, that's beautiful. I don't understand. Do, it. Does your do you not feel called to your house now that you have a dog? Do you ever just like want to go home? Do you not go out at night yet? Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> been happening for a while. Yeah. Um, I think it's also like about small discovery as opposed to broad discovery because again for so many years i've been traveling and experiencing new things i have a really like nebulous job that has cool weird hours and i get to meet people all the time and i never know what's next and um oh yeah you're not like this little teeny guy Mm -hmm. you know he's just like very small and it's as interesting to discover like what it's going to be like to take him to the mountains for the first time Mm -hmm. that it is to go on all these wild travels. Like, I feel like I'm traveling in a different way. I'm like traveling small or like traveling Mm -hmm. in a focused way. There's more nuance. Life Mm -hmm. goes a little slower. Yeah. So I think that's what a baby is like, is that you travel (laughs) by going like, oh my God, this baby is peeing over my face. This is all hilarious. I didn't know this was a thing. They do pee all over your face. I don't want that to happen. Yeah, they do. The boys. He is a boy. Yeah, the boy. So I want to see a picture now, please. Oh, my dog is... Because this is a podcast, and so this will work really oh, well. Oh, he's got a hashtag on uh, Instagram that was started in my area. It's called <laughs> Murph the Durf. So check that out with a D-E-R-P-H. You want to see my dog? He's the jam. Um, I don't know yet how much I want to social media my dog. It's It feels weird until people are like into it. I know that sounds strange, but... Like they get kind of famous? Uh, yeah, people have stopped him on the street. Our dog. <laughs> hey, man, you know, it's, a, oh, it's loading. You have low service in here. I'll show you in a minute. Oh, yeah, this is kind of a dead zone. Wow, that sucks for you. Uh, my cell phone carrier is okay, but oh, everyone good. else's seems oh, to be. Oh, stinker. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have scrambled it. This is my back cave. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I, I could talk about my f- uh, fascination with your biological lock forever, but I kind of want to ask you about same-sex symbol as somebody who is a jerk who hasn't listened to it yet. Sure. But why is it called same-sex symbol? That's my dog. <gasps> oh, it's a dog. Oh, and kind of a bad <laughs> guy, not cute, with the eyes and the ears. Oh, very... Yes, it's official. That's a good-looking dog. That's great. That was really... His paws just, like, right up on his face like He's, that? He is the most happening fella. Oh. Yeah. Murph is cool. That's a good one. Yeah. Good work. Yes. And Rhea is also an amazing photographer, so she snaps him in all of his greatest moments. I mean, it's... I cannot believe this is what is coming out of my mouth right now. I was, like, never cared about animals until I got this dog. I'm, like, a changed woman. I don't know what has happened to me in the last <laughs> two years. Is that how long you've had Murph? No, we've had Murph for like a year. Yeah. But, I mean, I became a vegetarian two years ago. Whoa. Everything is fucked. Even bacon? Yeah, even bacon. Well, sometimes I'll eat fish when I'm on the road. Because, uh, like, three days into being in some town where you can only get pizza, you physically want to die okay yeah i can i can i traveled a lot this past year and i got really t- one tired of it yeah like i was like oh i am like exotic like physically i, I it, you don't do well yeah, and no. if you you can't eat fine if food. you're if you're staying somewhere where you can't find healthy food after a while like i do think you you just straight up get sick like you know because you can't cook anything you're in your hotel room or yeah. wherever you're staying i don't know where you're staying yeah it was a mess like couch surfing whatever yeah. sometimes a hotel like a fancy person oh, yeah um, so yeah, same sex symbol. 
Uh, are you a are you a lesbian sex symbol? I saw you on BuzzFeed. Don't even try and, and pretend. Uh, that is actually what that title is supposed to be saying. That yes, I am. And I am fine suggesting it. I'm fine being the person oh. suggesting it. And I'll tell you why. Uh, because I think... So it's very interesting to be a lesbian that is not super femme. I would not say I'm super butch either. I'm kind of a tweener. Well, the, the side mullet really throws us off. Yeah, it could be either one. You got yeah. two options depending on which angle you're looking at me. For sure. Right. And then also just energetically... I'm right in the middle. I think, like, I feel like Don Draper, but I've got, like, a little bit of a curvy, girly body. So there's definitely that thing going on. And so... um, Do you swing your hips when you're feeling sassy? uh, No, I rarely swing my hips, and I feel like a pig in (laughs) high heels. (laughs) Okay. I actually feel like I have little pig feet. Little hooves. Anyway, that's just me talking about high heels, but they're not even a, a feminine woman would not call them high heels. That is only something that Barbie would say or me, but, um, All right. uh, Rhea is also even more, I guess, traditionally what we would describe as masculine looking mm-hmm. than I am. And I think it's strange that sometimes we would be written off, um, mm-hmm. as not being sexy. And I, Oh, I see. And I think, like, yeah, I, I don't have to be... And first of all, the the thing is is that I'm, this, none of this is like me being down on my looks. People say nice things to me all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean that if you don't like the vest that I'm wearing, it's not for you. Because I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily trying to be a sex symbol. I'm trying to be a same-sex symbol. Wait, you're so, flagging for a different, yes. different kind of human. So you don't have to be into everything I'm doing, mm-hmm. saying, or wearing... If you're not into it, it might just not be for you. There's a chance that I just don't care what you think. I love women in vests. Yeah, women in vests are great. Yeah, vests are very attractive. They're hard to find. I gotta. Yeah, you gotta wait till they get in style and buy them all. I know it's true. Yeah, I should have bought I'm gonna more. have some made. I'm gonna Please have some made. do. This is the year I have them made. Ooh. I'm classing up my. I'm gonna get some uh, some shirts and some vests made this year. I don't, yeah. Do you ever give, I mean, I, oh, I'm, I feel the urge to ask you for advice on how to dress myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, because I'm wearing a sweatshirt right now? My beautiful, beautiful sweatshirt. Oh, you, you get to see my, Mm. uh, my tweed. I don't even know if this is tweed herringbone. This is very elbow patches. Extra professor. No, it's, um, finding that balance of, like you're saying that you don't feel really, Butch necessarily. I'm putting that word in your mouth, or did you actually say butch? No, yeah. yeah you and also, feel- I don't. I, I think that's a great word to use. I'm totally okay. pro the using of butch. Good. I, I called a friend butch once because she was carrying a bunch of like equipment, and I was like, wow, like super butch. But like in like a that's really hot, and yeah. you're so capable kind of way, but it totally offended her, and I felt bad. I think we're taking butch back. I Please. don't think it's an insult. You, yeah. Yeah. I think it's fine. So, pro butch. Thanks. Pro butch on this side of the table. But I think I also just had a crush on my my straight female friend, and I shouldn't have said that probably. Um, but you felt like you're not quite butch, and you're working out the vest, and it's kind of like this. I just feel like there are not a lot of clothing options. It's very difficult. It's super to nice. difficult to find clothes. So I I have a couple different things that I've 
come up with. Um, mm-hmm. One is that in my day-to-day life, and I'm super open about this, uh, I wear what is essentially a uniform. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually wearing it right now. I just Ooh. wear brown boots uh, every day. I've got like a couple pairs. And I wear um, the same black jeans. I've okay. got like six pairs of the same black jeans. Brown and black. And then I wear a navy blue t-shirt. That's what I wear every That's day. navy blue? Yeah. Okay, like a really dark navy blue t-shirt. Like this is like your Louis C.K. Is that weird that I'm comparing you to another one? No, I mean yeah, you can call yeah okay. Louis C.K. or um, Andrew Dice Clay did it or okay Mark Zuckerberg does it. So I'm just comparing myself to geniuses. Um, but <laughs> the thing is, is I've also had a long um, road to loving my body, mm-hmm. and. I found like a look that I really like the way that it looks on me yeah. and I never have to worry about whether or not I like what I'm wearing. So mm-hmm. I wear the same thing every day. That's, that is my initial, uh, advice. And I wear like a jacket on top. Um, but the other thing is, you know, to dress up a little bit, I just have fully embraced that. I'm going to wear ties and um, wear like tailored shirts and tailored vests because I don't actually want to look super boxy. I don't mind showing off my body. Some mm-hmm. women that are like, yeah, on the spectrum kind of want to hide their body a little bit and that's great too. You know, like whatever feels right to you, but, or are trying to be a little bit looser, boxy, mm-hmm. but I wear kind of form fitting stuff um, that's in the masculine mm-hmm. spectrum because I think it's like that to me is the right balance because it's like. T- you know, f- form fitting so it shows off my body, the thing that I like about my body, but it also suits the aspect of my gender being mm-hmm. more masculine. So I wear like form fitting tailored menswear. That's what I do. And I am super into it. That's fantastic. I feel happy about the way that I look. It took me many years to figure out cool. what yeah. to do. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Tailored menswear. That's the answer. Yeah. <sighs> I need to find more. I found one shirt at Uniqlo. Oh, great. That fits me perfectly. Uh, and it was like putting on a, it was a black and white patchy or I don't even, uh, a tiny Italian tablecloth, whatever that, whatever that pattern is. And, uh, <laughs> you, you get it, right? Like, a, like gingham? What are we talking about? Gingham. Yeah, okay. that, that one. And I remember like putting it on and just for the first time. In forever, I was like, I felt like myself. Like it was like, That's like and I remember feeling. kind of just going, oh, here I am. Yeah. And I didn't like any of the patterns they had. So like, that's the one piece of outfit I have where I feel fully myself. <laughs> one piece of clothing. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's, I hear you. Yeah. It was terrible. Um, but yeah, dressing yourself is, is frustrating, but that's so interesting that, that it was, it almost feels like. Like when I said, called myself sex nerd Sandra, like here is this, it was because I had been called a nerd negatively and I'd been a bit shamed for the way I approach sexuality and kind of where my brain comes from. And it felt like I was sort of kind of taking it back and being like, well, screw you and I'm going to do this. And this is how I can explain myself. It seems like same sex symbol has a certain feel of, no, I am super sexy. It just, this is, but this is my specific sexy that plugs into this world and this. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Also, you know, when you're a woman that does stand up, um, you're on stage by yourself. And I think there's a really, <laughs> I think it's really 
common and really normal for people to kind of like evaluate your looks, I think, especially in my field. So that's the other reason that, you know, the, the shot, the, the photograph that's on the front of the album is also very like, I'm wearing a lot of makeup. Do I need to be closer? I'm wearing oh, it just, a, it just yeah. was aimed away from you. I'm wearing a lot of makeup and, mm-hmm. uh, I look super in my mind, David Bowie. Oh yeah. I was just thinking Bowie. You're mm-hmm. very Bowie. Yeah. And that is great. Like that's exactly what I'm trying to put out there. So mm-hmm. yay. Yeah. Well, did you guess. think Bowie, did you, have yeah, you seen so- the inside cover? Cause that's hilarious. Uh, the inside just- cover is actually me in, uh, Aladdin Sane makeup, the cover that oh, oh, where Bowie the- has the lightning bolt. Yeah. It just, yeah. It felt like that. I, I think I did just, I don't, I mean, I follow you on Instagram yeah. and you popped up I in my Facebook. Posted it around so, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was just cool visuals. And then I'd see like tour dates and stuff would come up and it'd yeah. be these great posters. Um, so he, I don't know how much you have Bowie? seen his stuff, David Bowie's stuff. But Not much, no. He had this exhibit that came to the... Museum of Contemporary Art that w- that's in Chicago, which I, is where I'm from. A friend of mine was so wanting to go there, like ready to get on a plane. My mom took me for my birthday oh. because I happened to be there for some album release shows, and then mm-hmm. she took me for my birthday, which is awesome. I went with my like my two sixty year old parents, <laughs> who are adorable. Uh, and my mom's a preschool teacher, and my dad's a lawyer, so it was great that they were like, "Yeah, let's go see Bowie," nice. and they were super into it. Um, and his stuff is amazing. Because he was doing so much with gender, but he was also just doing so much with art and performance art and visual art. He's a painter. Oh, so this is his art, not photos of him. It is, uh, I would say, like an overview of his life as an artist. So it starts with like tour posters from when he's first starting in bands before he's Mm -hmm. really David Bowie. And then some visual art that he did when he was painting. And then his set design that he was really integral in creating. Mm -hmm. And then... A lot of his original costumes were there. I can't imagine this won't be touring at some point. This sounds amazing. Yeah, that was its only U.S. stop for now. But I think it, it might be in Rude. Canada. For the, but I hope that they come back. If anybody out there listening, just... It's called... What is it called? I don't know. David Bowie, uh, the art thing. Yeah, it's called, like, being something Bowie. I don't know what it is, but... If you have a chance to see it, go see it. Cool. And when was this? Was this before your album release? No, this it was, was during, in October. This yeah, was during your release. And I just only bring that up because I'm also sure you've got lots of listeners who are trying to figure out gender expression. And that dude, he has been working on this since forever and doing a great job of it. So if you're ever wondering, like, hey, can you be super successful and be married to someone that you love and have kids and have a career that you are proud of, then yes, you can just look at David Bowie's entire but line what of is, work. But what is that magic? Cause I've wondered about this. I mean, we've got these contemporary, um, gender identities that are pretty narrow that we're supposed to fit into a man's got to be a manly man. We're all my only man. Um, but then you have David Bowie, who's able to just break the mold, or, or you know, hair bands, you know, with with all the lipstick and stuff. Right? Like, what? Like, who, why do they not get totally made fun of? Like, wh- what was it? Is it just you're just so macho, you and so kick ass in your art that you can? Don't you think it's confidence? <sighs> because I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I think I don't know. I think it's confidence. I just last night was is today Monday. So then last night was the Golden Globes. 
Yes. So last night was the Golden Globes, and I, I don't know if you watched it at all, but... Um, uh, just the monologue. Monologue so was far. great, yeah. And Jeffrey Tambor also got up and gave a speech, because... Am I spoiling anything that he won? He won no, Best I'm, Actor in a Comedy a Series. Game. Yes. So, that's... He won... Who is Jeffrey Tambor? Uh, he is... Have you seen... Well, he's he won for the sh- the show T- Transparent. Have you watched any of Transparent? Oh, oh, the the um, it's on Amazon. I haven't yet, but I've had a couple people be like, "Dude, yeah, dude. yeah." It's it's a terrific show, mm-hmm. and he is playing a trans woman mm-hmm. on the show who is like a really awesome character. Okay, she's great and real, and the show is about her family it's not about her life being over or Mm -hmm. about her questioning her decision it's Mm -hmm. just like this is what i'm doing this is the person that i am i didn't always know this was the person i was but Mm -hmm. this is what i'm doing now and you can either be on board or not and it's like a really wonderful portrayal of that and then jeffrey tambor the actor did an amazing job of portraying that character and so his speech last night is a great example of varied gender expression because he is like a kind of schlubby-ish, I mean, bald guy with, like, he's not, nobody would say he's a hairband David Bowie type. No, not at all. He's, yeah, he's a total dude character actor. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so he, he, his acceptance speech, I think, is awesome for what it also shows about what it is to be a man right now because he he is accepting it obviously as a man because he's Mm -hmm. he is a man Mm -hmm. but um he's allowed yeah so he's accepting it as a man but i think the way he's being a man on on stage is really nice to see given the character that he plays like he's not butching it up to be like like i play this uh." yeah he's just very then you just saw a lot of confidence. That he I did. saw a lot of confidence in him mm-hmm. being totally on board and and appreciative mm-hmm. of the seemingly positive response that he's gotten from the trans community. So awesome. he was actually appreciative and like, thanks. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really rad. And that's also a really cool type of straight male gender expression mm-hmm. to just be appreciative and kind of sweet. What about Jared Leto? I mean, we do not need to get that deep, but I didn't pay attention to how he behaved as an actor in compared to his role in Dallas Buyers Club. But I just right. So I I am not a obviously I'm not a I'm not not obviously I don't know why I said that it's not <laughs> obvious uh, only because I've said earlier that I uh, am not but I'm not a trans person mm-hmm. um, so I don't want to assume anybody's view but i will tell you that me personally i was not happy with the way that jared letter jared leto was carrying himself around his portrayal of trans person in dallas buyers club because he felt a little when i watched him at the oscars and Mm -hmm. when i heard him talk about it he it felt to me like he was very proud of himself for taking on such a hard role and for and for like really nailing it and Mm -hmm. like wasn't it so crazy that he took this risk and I think when we talk about people that exist as if it would be crazy to be them, mm-hmm. then we're doing – I don't know if the visibility that he brought – I don't know if you can, like, 
equal out the damage that he did in the way that he talked about the community that he was representing. Like I, to me, it felt more damaging than, I mean, I'm glad that that, that we saw a relatable person that we cared about in a movie that was trans, but I don't love hearing the actor talk about distancing himself from that community or being so proud of himself or being proud of his mom or whatever. Like, I think he thinks like God and his mom like, and like, no, like he's acting you. almost charitable. Thank the people that gave their lives yeah. so that you can win this award mm-hmm. pretending to be somebody that you are not. I'm so, so glad that I'm pretty you... passionate about it actually. Well, thank you. I'm glad because, uh, my listeners kind of know I've been a little like Bleh, lately. <laughs> so, <I'm> like, <laughs> so like there's a certain amount of, feeling like I need to have an opinion about everything and know everything about all the things that have to do with trans and sex. And sometimes I'm like, I know I'm supposed to like, like it feels like I can't even enjoy it. I'm just like, I feel like hey, I'm you're, supposed to, you're a person. You're just in the world. Sometimes you just gotta let things fly Cheetos, past you. You know? Yeah. you know? Yeah. But no, I, it pissed me off. I'm pissed off about that guy. I, I think somebody needs to smack that guy around a little bit. It is so great of you to care about those people. No, that's <laughs> come on. <gasps> ridiculous, right? Uh, it's super ridiculous. Um, no, I'd heard a little bit about that. Because I think that we've done the same thing. I think the reason that it felt so personal to me is that I think we've done the same thing for years t- for actors that played gay characters. Yes, and definitely. I think a little bit we've gotten beyond that where we're not as proud of gay, of straight actors playing gay. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Jared Leto won for Dallas Buyers Club in the same year that Michael Douglas won for being Liberace. Mm-hmm. And that Liberace movie, whatever the heck that was called, was great. It was a great movie. I didn't see it. But I just was so sick of us. Like, we're just giving people awards because they're brave enough to be I see. people that they're not. Like, that's ridiculous. And seeing Jared Leto, the way he was acting, felt like the way I felt when I first was hearing people talk about, like, how brave it was that Heath Ledger was in, you know, Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback, yeah. Sure. I'm happy you took the part. I guess maybe people have destroyed careers by taking risky parts, but I also think that these are human beings that you're talking about. Was Heath more celebrated than Jake Gyllenhaal? I don't remember. I think at the time... Well, their characters are very different. Yes, they were. Heath was more the the butchy, like, I'm in denial one. Yes, and I think... Well, they were both pretty... I mean, they were both cowboys. Right, but I also think that Heath was the one who was supposed to be more troubled by it. Oh, yeah. yeah and I, I also think there's, I mean, so we, I mean, I think we praised both of them, but I also mm-hmm. think it's interesting that we, like, praised the guy who's troubled by it. Like, oh, so brave to act so troubled by the fact that you're gay. And you know what? That's a great movie, and I'm glad that movie exists. I just think we should talk about things a little bit differently when the movie's over. Do you want to be an actor? Uh, I already am an actor. Didn't you see me on Marin? I walked across the screen with a cat. Oh, oh. I'm allergic to cats, but I acted like I wasn't. That's really good. That's really, I couldn't have done that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, barely. Maybe a stuffed cat. Taxidermy. Yeah, it was a real cat. I had to give it a treat so that it would like me. And then I had to carry it. So I don't know who you're talking to trying to be an actor. You have a background in improv. Right? I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you primarily study at UCB or? No, actually, I've never taken class at UCB, even though I hosted. Oh, you just got all up in there, there with your every comedy. Tuesday night. Uh, yeah, just stand up is how I got in okay. there. But I, I started in Boston mm-hmm. when I was in college. I started mm-hmm. doing improv 
and actually at the same at the same in the same improv group that Amy Poehler was in, but mm-hmm. she was in it ten years before me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like good luck. Well, it was like we were just you know rehearsing improv on a college campus being like, I'm pretty sure in like two to three years, we're all going to be on SNL because <laughs> Amy did it. So like, Hi, if you just beat an octopus a couple times, you're like totally going to get it. Yep. Got it. Hey, sometimes you need those, you know, beacons of hope. Hey, I, uh, false confidence can bring you far. Absolutely. As we've learned. Yes. 100%. I mean, you'll get an Oscar for it. Yeah. If you, there yeah. it is. So, uh, yeah, that's I started doing improv then. And then I worked at a couple different theaters in Boston mm-hmm. for a few years doing improv professionally, like on their main stage. Oh, you can just get a job being paid to do improv? Uh, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Have you always been this cocky? Uh, yes. Yeah. Aww. It's a great part of my personality. I don't know how to do that. I'm not sure if I'm just... <laughs> like I want, I want to be cocky and confident. Ah, I really want to be. Can you teach me? Yeah, you don't think you're confident at all. I mean, you talk about pretty um, personal stuff with people, right? Yeah, I, I don't mean personal. I mean intimate. I don't mean intimate. personal because I don't think this show is like about your personal life. I mean, you talk about intimate stuff, which takes some guts because not everybody is able to make that mm-hmm. transition to have intimate conversations with people. I've, I've just since I was little, had a natural orientation toward this, like interpersonal relationships and sex. And it, it seemed always seemed really important and like, we should be talking Mm, about it. So for some reason, I never got much of a filter around like, Oh, like I'm going to be brave and talk about this. It's like, this, this is necessary. Well, that makes sense to me though. But hell, it reads as confident. Cool. Mm. (laughs) I mean, I think we often end up doing things that just, come natural to us so that's yeah. great that that was your thing how do you be confident and cool um i mean shit girl i don't know <laughs> you just like turn 20 kiss a girl and you're like oh shit all the ladies no it's not it's not even like a you just always have a really positive attitude your whole life and you just I have a positive attitude yes and you just you're just really like even in the brain chemicals? All no. That. I mean, I'm very hard on myself. I, I would say I'm very hard on myself. Okay. But I don't know. It's a strange dichotomy where I'm extremely hard on myself. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I demand... Like abusive to yourself? Like, um, oh, stupid, stupid, stupid. Or just like, you could do better. That wasn't your best. Oh, no. I mean, I think... Well, to do the job that I do, I think you have to have a built-in stupid, stupid, stupid. Okay. All because right. that's the only way you're going to get better to be on stage the next time. Because you have to blame yourself. You can't blame the audience. Mm-hmm. Because it sometimes you can have bad audiences, but if you think it's the audience and not you, mm-hmm. then you'll never come back. So you have to be the kind of person that's like, I'm an idiot and I didn't do it right at all. Like you have to be that mm-hmm. kind of person. So that is definitely in me. Um, but I also think you have to be the kind of person that thinks that you have something to say that people should listen to. Okay. And who thinks that? Like, that's a, what a weird combination, right? <laughs> people should listen to me, but I'm a, an idiot. I think that's what all stand-up comics are thinking. Uh, I feel like, well, okay, in my own personal thing, I, personal thing, that's specific. My In my journey, hate that word now, um, 
oh, I have the urge to say things. I, I haven't found a format that works with me. I mean, p- podcasting is fun because I get to ask you about things. Sure. But in terms of expression, I haven't really found a medium that really works for me. That's interesting. And you mm-hmm. don't, does it, so obviously this, like you said this works, but this doesn't feel like the final thing that you would. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I mean, this feels like I am accessing part of who I am and part of like, curiosity. And I love being able to talk with someone and find out about them and, right. and, and, and extract knowledge things. Like tell me about <laughs> confidence. Cause next I'm going to ask you about sex appeal and stuff. Just get ready. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of the, the thoughts and opinions and things that are, are swimming around in, in, in here, I'm pointing at my, my, my head part. Uh, yeah, that hasn't yet. I haven't. Is it easier for you to ask other people questions than to talk about your own situation? Um, No, it's, it's that I have it like, for instance, when I've read your stuff and I went, wow, you are a good writer. It's, I have a hard time focusing, disciplining, and being able to cohesively write out thoughts on paper. Sure. <laughs> Computer. Sure. Uh, typewriter paper. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Um, so it's, it's just hard to hold me still enough to do something. Um, and it's not going to be sculpture probably. <laughs> I understand that though. I get that. I, I didn't think I would ever be a writer, Mm -hmm. um, because I have always been more comfortable speaking than like sitting with my own thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I found I could do was that I can like report on moments when I've been speaking. That's why like my column for the AV club is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like experiences I had. So that's actually really easy for me is Mm -hmm. to just like recall and to put it into the words I would use on stage. So Mm -hmm. I had to kind of like learn how to speak for a living before Mm -hmm. I could learn how to write my thoughts. Right. And speaking and learning about like the structure of how you tell a story Mm -hmm. and how you, what you omit and what you leave in. And that's all. Yeah. Develop a voice and then try and Mm -hmm. not that I'm like some done with uh, but I am writing a book right now. Really? I am. Yeah. So a book deal? Did you like pre handshake with someone or you I, just, yeah, like, no, I have, yes, that's official. It's official. Nice. Thank you. So are you dying inside? Uh, am I dying inside? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, sometimes when you talk to people who are writing their first book, they're like, ah, well, to be fair, I'm super beginning. I'm super at the beginning okay. of the process. So if you talk to me in like three months, I'm sure I will be like, yes, this is terrible. Is it a how to be a lesbian book? Pretty much. Oh, I wish I still had this book. I, I actually had a book called <laughs> How to Be a Lesbian. And it was written what? in like 94. So it's like got a woman oh in, my la- God. in plaid. But I think I just purged my books. And I had that so many. sucks. I know. You didn't have that you know, book. You know what though? It was given to me by a good friend in high school. Oh. Because a lot of people were like, so you're a lesbian, right? And I'm like, no, I just so really like. So was this liked- a non like this is a it's a joke say, book. Oh, it's like, a joke okay it, well it's like it's kind of like how to be a lesbian like it had some tips in there like wear these sorts of boots so that with steel toes were the way to go but wow um, i gotta look this book up yeah how to be a lesbian um but it was given to me by someone who would also make fun of the lesbian like the clothes i would wear as like you look, oh, you're looking terrible. really dikey today like and so I kind of got rid of it because I had bad juju. Yeah, don't yeah. keep that book. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, I could just hand it to you now, but I don't have it. No, that's so. okay. I'm glad you get that out of here. Yeah, thank you. You don't need anybody giving you snark. Yeah. So. Mm. About your cool outfit choices. Yeah. I did have steel-toed boots. Is that a lesbian thing? <laughs> I 
in, according to that book, it was. Oh. They were white. I had white Ooh. platform steel toe Doc Martens. That sounds like you're like and a I was dating men Bowie at the time. Yeah, I was dating men. Yeah. I wore them with a white leather belt. Oh, that sounds two, like you were part prince. Yeah, I wore two <laughs> high school where I had a uniform. So I don't know how I pulled that off. Wow. You were super cool or super uncool. One of the two. Uh, I just like was doing my own thing. It was fine. People were into it. But you, you had confidence at the time. Yeah. Therefore, it was super cool. Yeah, people were into it. It was fine. People had crushes on you probably. I don't know. I mean, I maybe. Okay. So let's talk about sexiness. Same sexiness. sex symbol. I'm just riffing on this title because it's so I much I think fun. you're doing a great job of riffing. Thank you. Just <sighs> to give you the feedback from when you were talking about your class. I think you incorporated it. In your it's a big definition. It. I'm just playing. Oh, I guess. Yes, and what else? Yes. Oh, and what else? Oh, I just say yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm a yeser. That's what I do because I took an improv class. I learned that in my life, I yes and I don't and. Like, I don't add. Interesting. I just kind of go, oh, I'm right on. Fascinating. <laughs> and I just stare. That sounds like a great improv scene. <laughs> I agree with that. Whatever he said, that's a very good point. Yeah, I'm like, oh, clowns. We're clowns. Cool. Yeah, that's what I do. Heightening. You gotta you gotta work on heightening. Yeah. That's where you add the next thing. Right. And in slowly like layering a Building cake. it up. You build yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. You stack it up there and then suddenly it's a magic fun of thing. Course. Sort of. Um yeah, I'll take two of one at some point. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You know what the secret is? It's just details. And specificity. So I, if you're I, just like if they're like, We're clowns and you're like we're clowns, and these shoes are killing me because I just came here from the tight clown shoe store as opposed to the big clown shoe store. See? Then, forwarding the scene. Now, the specificity in your brain, you probably didn't have all that in there, but you were just like, uh, my shoes, but clown shoes, uh, tight. Ooh, they're uncomfortable. I am having yeah, uncomfortable is. moments. Is that how your brain did that? Yeah, right? Well, I don't know. Yes. Your yes. brain might work a little better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> So I was asking. Well, it's been trained. Tell me about your process. <laughs> I, have, I do have a trained brain. You know, like you learn a language. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm, but uh, I do think that I understand how to speak in jokes because you do jokes enough, then you just figure out how to do jokes. I had Matt Bronger on the show. Yes. And we actually did an episode that I called Sex and Comedy. And I just asked him a lot of stuff. But like, so do people hit on you after the shows? And like, how do you oh, make a joke? And like, what is it like to use your... I keep saying interesting. I'm so sorry to the listeners. I keep saying it. But you're saying interesting things. So (laughs) in my defense, you're listening to the show. It's the proper use of interesting. It's interesting. Thank you. But Matt was chatting about sex and comedy. Yeah. And just sort of that idea. Uh, Are you jealous? I can't believe I don't get to talk about that ever. You're not allowed. Yeah. Stink. <laughs> Gross. Um, so no, I, I forgot what I was supposed to say. Matt Bronger and sex, and I don't remember what I was going to say. Oh, how to write a joke. Mm. We talked about how to write a joke, and that. And that. What did he say? Do you remember? Oh, because I was like, for people who want to be better on dates and a little bit better in oh. terms of hitting on people, or just being able to be a little bit more peacocky about how they put their, themselves out there. There's a lot of wallflowers that listen. Very to the show. cool question. And he's like, don't do jokes, good, but tell stories and I just yes. do the other thing where you're... 100%. But Listening? I, I still don't understand how to do that, which means my listeners don't because they are just an extension of me. <laughs> no, well, I agree with him. Yeah, jokes on a date. Whew, whoopsie daisy. 
like dad jokes are the worst, but what, what would, I don't even know what to ask. How, how do you be better at being a person? <laughs> <laughs> uh, where do we start? Uh, how do you be better at being a person? Uh, an entertaining person. But I imagine that you always were a bit like, I'm charming and uh, will someday be a same-sex symbol. I mean, I guess so. So I think, number one, you have to have something that you have to overcompensate for. Uh, (laughs) As a child, I wore an eye patch for eight years because I had uh, crossed eyes. And so if you have to wear an eye patch for most of your formative childhood years, you have to be extremely charming and hilarious. Otherwise terrible things are going to happen to you so oh, while wearing the eye patch you'd practice being i just think i developed like a sense of we're doing this because i think the other alternative was that i was just going to die a very slow social death i see and how'd you do yeah i mean i i, I think I, I think it is the reason that i have my job because okay. i like figured out how to talk to people even though like a crazy thing going on on my face. I see. So be really ugly when you start out. Have some shit going on. Now, yeah. it could be other stuff. It could be acne. We've all had something. Terrible haircut your parents force you to have. Yeah. Anything. We've all had something. We all currently have something. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think realize that you got to give them something else to work with. That you got to balance yourself against yourself. You know what I mean? Like say... Hey, I understand what I'm bringing to the table that's not so great. But have you considered this? <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really like process this in a deep way. Cause yeah. I, like, I've never even – because when I think about what I have to overcompensate for, it's like, oh, just my father. There <laughs> so it is. Just, that's it. Just, yeah. That's the guy? Uh, yeah. That's but, the guy? There's a lot of details, specificity. I'm sure. That. I'm sure. We don't need to go through here, but I want to know the rest of your list. No, I mean, they're, they're, that, is, that your, is that your thing, your dad? That's the thing? Uh, there's a lot of personality traits and weird, uh, weird, not effective ways to socialize your children into the world. Absolutely. To work against. Yes. You got to Now you got to That's your thing. So you got to break that down or jump over it. Oh, I see. This is the, this is the source of like going and then that's your power source. <laughs> yeah. Your power comes from your worst thing. Absolutely. As a comic, as a person, as a human, world. as a comic, as an everything. Wow. Yes. That's why comedy is so effective. For politics right now, because like you joke around the things that make you the saddest, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why like most of today's generation gets their pol- political news from like John Stewart, because we're devastated and it's we want to watch somebody make fun of it because it's the only way that we can process it and also think about what to do about it. So true story. Yeah, that's your, a very short your worst story. spot is your that's your source of your power. I am finishing up a sketch writing class and finding out to see if that was maybe a format that would work. And it totally hasn't. Like, I'm like, oh, I am not going to ever write sketch. I I would love to, for other people to write sketch, maybe for me to participate in. Great. Zero percent will I be a writer of sketch, which is fine. And I didn't write my assignment this week because it was just devastating. Oh, our assignment this week was write something on uh, political or topical. And I'm like, I, I can't, I just, this week I just, for a lot of reasons was like, nope, not going to do the assignment. Half the class did not do their assignment. Really? So when you say like, that's where the, the sad, uh, the sad sources where the jokes come. And I was like, well, FYI, half the class was like, no. <laughs> well, that's the half of the class that 
ain't gonna love it. Like that's the half of the hat class that ain't gonna mm-hmm. perhaps be sketch writers, as you're saying about yourself. Yeah, how do you? Find- you gotta go to that worst place. And then, but how do you find a funny thing in the? Are you just because it's just like a survival tactic? Like I must find yes. something funny here. I think it's a survival tactic. Okay. That's exactly what I think. I see. And that's also why I'm saying for like dating or for interacting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying you have to make fun of yourself. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not okay. saying like if you're uncom- uncomfortable about something about your body that you mm-hmm. should like throw that out there as like see my crazy eyes no that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is like if you got wacky eyes know that you've got wacky eyes and then balance it out somehow yeah exactly balance it out some more how so like let's say you've got the sweetest bod in the world Mm -hmm. i mean you don't have to have the best personality there's an opposite to that (laughs) i see oh my god you're making so much sense you're so wise so give me more. I'm demanding more now as the host of this show where I get to ask people things. Which <laughs> Just is an open-ended more? No, no, no. Because you, you started numbering. Okay. okay. Did you remember? Okay, right. You okay, were like, well, number start. one. So uh, okay. number three. Oh, number three. Okay, yeah. Let's skip two. That was going to be the worst. Um, how else do you... So we're, the general topic is like... Same sex symbol. Attracting people, being sexy. You're confident. And I think, we, you know, we discussed this earlier, confidence. So, so you have your shit. Know that you have your shit. And mm-hmm. that shouldn't take away from your confidence. Because number two is that confidence angle mm-hmm. that we were talking about earlier with Jeffrey mm-hmm. Tambor or with David Bowie or with men that are outside of our normative gender spectrum that are killing it. How are they doing it? Well, they're going in and they're saying like, excuse me, these pants are very tight, but I don't know if you've noticed how huge my penis is. Uh, (laughs) That's why I don't mind. Um, And I think, so how often do you hear from listeners who like just can't figure out how to get a date? Does that, do you get that right in? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like that would be something that'd be really common because Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge thing today like that's Mm -hmm. a very today issue because the awesome thing is that internet dating exists and apps exist Mm -hmm. but the opposite of that is that now we don't know how to ask each other out interpersonally Mm -hmm. because we've gotten so good at this one thing that it seems crazy to us to even have a conversation with each other so how would you do it and i think confidence to um, talk about yourself and talk about the things that you're interested in and not necessarily make it about the date right away. God, I mean, I hope there's not people out there that like have to like, hello, would you like to go on a dinner date with me? I yeah. would like to get to know you more. You mean just ha- be great in conversation? Yeah. Just be like a cool person to talk to. I think that is something that specifically men Okay. But also women that are the ones who are going to do the asking out. But specifically men, I think some can't figure out, like, what's the magic formula for getting chicks to be interested Here's in the, the problem. magic formula is, like, develop more things to say. Read a book. Watch a television show. Have an interest. Input more data into your you brain. Become, so that- become better you so that mm-hmm. you are better offering. And by else. taking in more art and things in the world, yeah. you can become, and I use art broadly, right? like that is a way to better yourself. I mean, that's what I think. I think if you're not sure why you're not getting a date, maybe you need to do some work on you to make the, I mean, we're all kind of product, right? We're trying to sell ourselves to each other at some basic level. Let's get real. And I think like if it ain't moving, if it's not getting off the shelf, then... <laughs> You might have to do some reform on the product. Yeah, right, right. No, there's plenty of 
especially with well, women too, but there's definitely a lot of guys I, I know that I don't want to say anything, but I'm like, I could make you so much more dateable if I could just work out this shirt you're wearing right now because it is not like just and little it's not things. just aesthetics but that can be it too but i also think like people move to frustration mm-hmm. with the person with the person that they're dating you know if they're straight they'll move to frustration with the opposite sex or you know whoever mm-hmm. they end up projected on other people then it's like why are these women so crazy and it's like mm-hmm. no it obviously if you're striking out 10 out of 10 times it's then you. there's something going on with you. And let's say you're a really shy person and you can't figure out how to get a date because you're a really shy person. Well, then do use these dating apps and then realize that like you might have to do a little bit of prep before you get to that date. Like You might have to think about, here's five things I'm going to say and here's five topics I'm, I'm going to bring up. And here's five things from my life that I cared about. And just talking about those things, like that's what people are attracted to. It's something that's bigger than their experience right like we partner yeah we partner so that we can expand don't you think uh definitely there's actually a theory um more than a theory but the psychologist uh, developed this idea of self-expansion model where everybody that you bring into your life is is expanding your your bubble of who you are and and what you're about and your partner especially expands that and um that's why breakups can be so difficult. Part of it is that you lose yes. part of yourself. Um, you actually get smaller in a certain. And so, anyway, of I just course. was reading yeah. up on that, and I was like, "Oh, I remember this. This makes me happy." Anyway, psychology stuff. Um, yes, I agree with that. I like it. I don't know what to say. I think right now when it comes to how to be more attractive and how to, oh, not like attractive physically, but how to attract more people yeah, uh, and make it easier to have a date. So many people are frustrated and asked me that, that I've gotten a bit jaded where I'm all like, dude, like, I guess sometimes people whine about yeah. it. Sure. And so I'm a little like, that is part of your problem right now is that you're whining. Cause I well, can that's exactly what I'm saying. You know, and I think that's true for, that's, this is not just true in dating. And there are also plenty of people that don't want to have dates. So and I'm sure they wouldn't probably be the people that listen to this show. But I mean... Actually, you know, so, some people who are okay. asexual listen sure. because it's fun. Um, Absolutely. So for yeah. those people, it's the same thing. This is... Of course, this is true in friendship and in work. I mean, I know that I find this in my career all the time, which is that whenever you can't figure out why you're not getting something... Like, I want to get this next TV thing and I want to push this next special and why am I not getting booked on this thing? Like, mm-hmm. it's not them. Mm-hmm. It's you. It's mm-hmm. always you. And I'm not saying the world is fair because the mm-hmm. world is not fair. Mm-hmm. We look different ways and we have different bodies and we have different things that we're dealing with and socioeconomic circumstances and some of us are minorities in the field that we chose or whatever it is. Like, it's not, it's not a fair playing field, but you have to make yourself that shiny object that they want to do business with or that mm-hmm. they want to hang out with or that they want to date or that they want to be friends with. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, it's like, it's the advice that no one gives, but it is pretty important. It's like, there's something, if that's happening to you, you need to examine what it is about you that is maybe repelling people. And I also think that there's no, it's not like there are people that where there's no hope. And I'm not saying like, you need to be a different person. Also, I'm just saying you maybe need to reevaluate your strengths and present yourself a different yeah. way. Yeah. 
No, I have a pet peeve actually about that whole like, don't, I'm not going to change who I am and like, this is who I am or like, just be yourself, all that stuff. It's like, we evolve. We are able to evolve and grow ourselves. So changing yourself doesn't necessarily, it's like when people think that if you try BDSM, you're suddenly like just forever change yourself in a way that you'll never get yourself back and you'll be lost in this dark cave of some otherness. Um, When really you just expand your possibilities of who you can be. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, if we're not here to figure new stuff out, literally, why are we here? Mm -hmm. Why are our lives so long? What the hell are we doing here? If we're not trying to figure out some way of improving, if we're not trying to get our heads smaller and our pussies bigger (laughs) in the long term, what the fuck are we doing here? You just naturally call back. Is that just a a superpower of being a comic? You just can call back. Well, I've been doing this for many years. God. It's just a callback to like magic to me. Like Santa Claus. She said that earlier and then she's saying it again. You have memory. How do you do that? All the drugs. Um... Well, I had one more question for you. Oh, so how, how, how? <laughs> Nail it. You got it. I believe in you. Hi. Deliver it. Huh? Here it is. How can somebody be funnier? Oh, now that is actually a difficult question. Um, do you think people can be funnier? Have you seen a friend that like got funnier? Have you seen Ooh. that happen? Yes. No. I have gotten compliments on me getting funnier. Oh, that's really cool. So I guess, but I've never put it out there to other people. Like I haven't really examined it, but I guess I have so much, I think people can change Mm. and evolve and grow. And I have no sense that people can stay the same. I think people who try to stay the same are, of course, are silly. We're talking about that. So humor is an interesting one because, well, it is definitely a skill. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that it is a skill. And also, it's a language. There's mm-hmm. no doubt in my mind that it's a language. And I, I first realized that when I started dreaming in jokes. Because oh, I don't know if no. you've ever taken like foreign languages or if you've ever like, heard anybody talk about non- Speaking, I've, they, they I've say like in Chinese. Yes, so you're fluent when you dream when you dream in Chinese. That's how you know you're fluent mm-hmm. or whatever. So when I started dreaming in jokes, I, w- I woke up and I was like, oh my god. This is a language because otherwise, why would I be dreaming in this? Like, it mm-hmm. can't be possible. So, I do think that there are like pathways in my brain that have been running mm-hmm. over and over again because I've been trying to figure right, out pathways. jokes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I can tell you the secret to what a joke is. What is the secret? All right. This is the secret to what a joke is. It's really desperate on a date. Yeah. A joke <laughs> is. Um, and this is why it's so interesting and funny and completely absurd that it is a male-dominated field. Because a joke is an emotional reaction to an event. That's all that it is. So I have all so these many men, of those. All these men that are like going up on stage and being super doodly, they are talking about their feelings. Like all stand-up that you've ever seen in your life... <laughs> The crudest, most disgusting, the most, whatever it is, it is all just feelings. So how can you be funnier? I think one thing you could do is try to isolate your feelings about something. Whoa. I mean, that's a very, this is like very touchy feeling. But I mean, even if you think about like the standard Jerry Seinfeld, like what's the deal with 
toothpaste. He's going to answer that question uh-huh. in a second. Yeah, what's the deal with toothpaste? He's going to answer it. He's going to be like, I hate it, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's basically what he's saying. He's setting it up for his So, what's the reaction. deal with is a question you could ask yourself about anything in your life. And then you could try and evaluate your feelings about things. And that would be a way of developing your sense of humor. And this is like very technical. So I totally understand if there's anybody listening that's like, that does not sound possible, but I love action, uh, yeah. next actions. Yes. It's like, okay. So you could literally it. do it in a book. You could literally write out like, um, what's, what makes me, you could write out a topic like toothpaste, like you said, and you could say like, what makes me angry about toothpaste? You could be like, what makes me angry about toothpaste is the thing that's at the bottom of the toothpaste squeeze you can't get it out when because you squeeze it from the middle and then stuck in the bottom and the top and how are you going to deal with that so like i know that sounds totally uh deconstructed the way that i'm saying like i know you but that is a joke Mm -hmm. i mean it's not like a joke that would play today because most (laughs) jokes today are not really jerry seinfeld format Mm -hmm. but that's a joke that you just Mm -hmm. wrote a joke so you could do that at your house that's something you could do did you come up with a secret batman formula um i Many years ago, I uh, read a book that's called The Comedy Bible, and it's oh. like a very uh, – actually, you could you – could, I will say this. There's a caveat. It is a super cheesy book. Okay. Super cheese ball. I've noticed that about comedy books. Yeah. There are no like not cheesy uh, – well, maybe in the improv world. Like I haven't read – UCB has a book. I haven't read that. It's really well done. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. But in the stand-up world – because it's a, it's mostly an apprenticeship job, like you learn by oh. doing. Oh, okay. So the books that have been written are not necessarily indicative of the full process, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. They're kind of written by people who have enough time to write books about stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, caveat. It's right. a little bit of a cheesy book. But I- there's some exercises in there could literally do exercises but i also taught stand-up for many years really uh and it's again it's not really something you can learn Mm -hmm. but i taught an all-female stand-up class in chicago (sighs) um to sort of try and change the numbers and get more women just to do their first five minutes of material at an open mic Mm -hmm. and that class actually still runs in chicago so if you're a woman that lives in chicago you can take it's called the feminine comique and it is taught by kelsey huff a woman that i trained who took over my uh program and still teaches it and it's uh one of the things I'm most proud of in my entire life. I trained a hundred women in that program and then she's trained, I think probably a hundred more. And some of those women are correctional officers or female priests. Uh, I don't, I don't think I need to say the women were female priests, but they were priests. Uh, or some of them went on to do stand up for a living. So you could take that class. It's monumental. That's, that's wonderful. I'm yeah. so glad you shared that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Very cool. Um, uh, I'm going to end on this. Thank you in your BuzzFeed videos about how, how to be a lesbian or like, what was it? Uh, how to be a lesbian. And it's ask book. a lesbian. Ask yes. a lesbian. You, when you talked about scissoring, cause the, we had yes. that episode. Yes, we did. And you were like, it's not a thing. Yep. And then people emailed us. Yep. To say you are incorrect. That, sir. I did get, you did forward me some emails from no. people that said that scissoring was a thing. Uh, and so in your video, I, I saw it cause I had done one on. I was like what straight people think about lesbians or something. And like, mm. I came in at the very end of a video to teach a few things about female pleasure or something. And so, uh, 
it was cool to see like your videos like started after that and they were fantastic and i saw the scissoring one and i was like ah. i did say that some people have debated me on this but i do not personally believe that it is a normative sexual behavior for most lesbians i still stand by that uh, I recently tried, I didn't try scissoring, but I tried a double dildo recently with someone and I was that laughing terrible. awkwardly. I mean, like, it was so like we were trying to make the best of it. You know, we were like, woo, <laughs> yay. Mm, and like, there'd be a, like a pleasure uh. because there was some pleasure, but it was like, we don't need this to make this okay. Like everything uh, yeah, was off. So I guess the thing that I wanted to drive home when we originally talked about that on the show was that I think people have this very strange notion that when two women are together, it like it looks really different than when anybody else is together. And there's all these toys I that see. are always involved, and and like scissoring is the for me the ultimate <laughs> in like that is so that involves so much like difficulty and arrangement <laughs> of bodies and. I think, like, women don't just, like, rub each, their butt. Like, I think women fuck each other. Mm-hmm. And it's really frustrating to me that um, lesbian sexuality is dismissed as being, like, kind of silly or feathery or floaty or light. And I understand that that might not be the kind of scissoring that your listeners who are into that are talking about. Mm-hmm. But I did see blue is the warmest color this year. Did you see blue is the warmest I did color not. this year? And there's like a nine minute sex scene in there where they're rubbing on each other. And I, Hey, maybe some women like that is totally what works for them. I am not judgmental of whatever you want to do, and, but I will just say that when there, that is like the only thing that's presented in the movie as the way that they have sex. Oh, is that I mean, there's, the only there's thing? There's one other sex scene, but it's also very like, um, it's just all very like involved. Mm-hmm. You know, here, I'll make a comparison. When you were a teenager, you read like Cosmopolitan magazine for the first time. Yes. Do you remember reading about all those sexual positions? Yeah, that don't make any sense. I was gonna bring that up as and a, being an like and being like, no, reverse butterfly is totally like what people. Nobody does that <laughs> in the moment. People move their bodies in a way that feels great for them. So definitely, sometimes you do different positions with different people or different positions at different times because you're trying to figure out like what you want in the moment. Yeah, what feels good, right? And of course, you should explore all the ways that your body feels good. I'm just saying that like those, you know, you don't like often porn, land like a like a porn. In the land of porn, like a porn scissoring video, the women, what they're doing in that video, I think is not what lesbians are doing together probably 90% of the time. It's not how you click together. Like, oh, like you're making out and then suddenly you become scissoring. Like, and that's, yeah. And it's like, and it's like just facing away from each other. (laughs) And there's lots of like shininess on every part of your body. Like, I just think it's like, sex is like, sex is like fast and furious or like, slow and sweet but it's not like i think as premeditated as lesbian sex is portrayed as or being. acrobatic or acrobatic premeditated exactly like we have to have harnesses and everybody has to be doing uh-huh. this all the time it's not always <laughs> careful it's not always premeditated got it well really i'm 
I really opened up the door on that one. Yeah. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you. And yeah. that was fun to see. Hey, Cameron Esposito, where can people find you in the world? Uh, on Twitter at, at Cameron Esposito. I don't mm-hmm. think I said, I didn't think I had to say at twice. Twitter <laughs> at Cameron Esposito or, uh, my website is CameronEsposito.com and I've got a bunch of tour dates going on throughout the many coming months. So please come to those and, uh, you could buy same sex simple through my website or at kill rock stars, which is my label. Yeah. Check it out. I yeah. know I will. Yes. Hey, thank you. Total pleasure. Have an awesome night. You too. Go team fun. Now leaving nerdist.com. Mm-hmm.